Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I extend my warmest congratulations to all of you on this auspicious occasion, the 27th of Rajab, which coincides with the Mab'ath of the Holy Prophet, the beginning of his prophetic mission. And there is really nothing that I think is better to do on an evening like this than to spend some time reflecting on the seerah of the Holy Prophet. If you recall, my brothers and sisters, in our last session, so this is our third discussion, in our last session we spoke in detail about the honorable and the pure ancestral line of the Holy Prophet. And we cited a statement by Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib salawatullahi alayhi in Nahjul Balagha where the Imam salam describes the purity of the Prophet's forefathers. Amir al-Mu'mineen salam he says, كُلَّمَا نَسَخَ اللَّهُ الْخَلْقَ فِرْقَتَيْنِ جَعَلَهُ فِي خَيْرِهِمَا that whenever Allah Azza wa Jal divided the line of descent, Allah placed the Prophet in that line. Meaning, the Prophet has the most honorable and the most noble of ancestors. Now, in our last lecture, we spoke about Hashim. Hashim is the great-grandfather of the Holy Prophet. And we mentioned that Hashim was the one who established the two, the two annual trading expeditions in the summertime to Syria and in the wintertime to Yemen. Hashim was preparing to go on a very long trading expedition to the Levant so he decides to take his wife. He had many wives. One of them was from Yathrib, which is the ancient name for the city of Medina. He marries a woman from Yathrib, and he decides to leave her in Yathrib before he begins his long journey to the Levant. His wife was pregnant. The wife of Hashim was pregnant. Hashim leaves on this trading expedition and he dies on this expedition. He's buried in Gaza. His wife receives the news that her husband has passed away. She is pregnant, but she doesn't reveal that she is pregnant to her in-laws. She keeps it a secret because she knows that in Arabia, child custody goes to the more powerful tribe. So she was afraid that if she revealed that she was pregnant to Quraysh, that the uncles, the brothers of her husband, they would take custody of the child. So she gives birth to a boy named Shayba. You know, brothers and sisters, 
Abdul Muttalib's actual name is not Abdul Muttalib. His actual name was Shayba. Shaybatul Hamd. And they used to call him Shayba for short. And Shayba literally means the white hairs that begin to show on you when you become elderly. If someone has some white hairs in his beard, they say this is Shayba. Or if you have white hairs on your head from old age, this is called Shayba. And historians say that he was given this name, Shayba, because he had white streaks in his hair. So he was called Shayba. So up until this point, he's living with his mother in Yathrib. His father's side of the family, they don't even know about him. Until Hashim's brother, who is the uncle of Abdul Muttalib, his uncle, whose name is Muttalib, goes and visits Yathrib. And as he's walking in the streets of Yathrib, he sees a young boy and immediately he says that this is from my blood. You see, the Arabs were very skilled in the science of genealogy. They were able to even in some cases look at someone and determine if they were from Yathrib or they were from Quraysh. So Muttalib sees this young boy and he says, this is not a Yathribi. This is not someone who's from Yathrib. This, this young boy is from Quraysh and I think he's my blood. So he asks around and he discovers that this is his nephew, Shayba. This is the son of my brother Hashim. So he decides to take Shayba with him. Some say that he abducted him. In any case, Muttalib decides to take Shayba with him so they can raise him in Mecca with his uncles. When Muttalib returns to Mecca, the Meccans, they see that he has a young boy with him and they assume that Muttalib purchased a slave in Yathrib. So when they see this young boy, they call him Abdul Muttalib, the slave of Muttalib, because they thought that this was a slave that he purchased from Yathrib. His real name was Shayba, but the name stuck, and for the rest of his life, he was called Abdul Muttalib. So this is the grandfather of the Holy Prophet. Now, tonight in the brief time that I have, I want to speak, I want to share with you three important events that took place in the life of Abdul Muttalib before the birth of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wa So the three events are what? I'll list them very quickly and then I'll share with you the details of these incidents. The first major event in the life of Abdul Muttalib before the birth of the Prophet was the rediscovery of the well of Zamzam. This is number one. Number two, 
the oath that he makes to sacrifice one of his ten sons, and we'll speak about this, and then third, the incident of the invasion of Mecca by Abraha and his army, which is mentioned in Surat Al-Fil. So we take the first incident, which is the rediscovery of the wells of Zemzem. Now we know that the wells of Zemzem first appeared during the lifetime of Hajar and Ismail. Hajar and Ismail, they were essentially the first two people to actually live in Mecca, reside there, because Mecca was a barren land, there was no vegetation, there was no water, and then miraculously Allah Azza wa Jal makes the springs of Zamzam flow. After some time passes, the tribe of Jurhum, who are pure Arabs, as we mentioned in our last session, they are Qahtani Arabs, they settle in Mecca because there's now water. Ismail marries a woman from the tribe of Jurhum. So Ismail, who's a non-Arab, he marries a pure Arab woman from the tribe of Jurhum, who's Qahtani, and their sixth descendant is Adnan. And then the Prophet is from this line. So Jurhum occupied this land, the land of Mecca, but then there was a conflict between them and another tribe, and they were driven out. So before Jurhum was driven out of Mecca, what did they do? They filled the wells of Zamzam, they buried it, and they concealed it. They buried their tre some treasures there. And then for three over 3,000 years, no one knew the location of Zamzam. So for 3,000 years, no one had any, everyone knew there was a well called Zamzam, but it was lost, and no one was able to find it. Now, in Tariq al-Yaqubi, there's a book called Tariq al-Yaqubi. It's a classical book on Islamic history, written by Ahmed al-Yaqubi, who was the first Muslim geographer, and he wrote an extensive book on Islamic history during the Abbasid period, and he reports the following incident. He says, وَأَقَرَّتْ لَهُ قُرَيْشٍ بِالْفَضْلِ رَأَى فِي الْمَنَامِ وَهُوَ فِي الْحِجْرِ Ya'qubi, he says that when Abdul Muttalib reached a position of great honor in the eyes of Quraysh, when he became the chief of Quraysh, and everyone acknowledged him as the leader of Quraysh, he had a dream one night. In the dream, he sees that he's in the Hijr of Ismail. You know, if you go to Hajj, you have the Kaaba, and you have this wall that was built. This wall is called Hijr Ismail. Why? Because Ismail built this wall after he buried his mother because he did not want people to disrespect the grave of his mother. So he's buried there alongside his mother Hajar. So Abdul Muttalib, he sees this dream, and in the dream, 
a figure appears to him, saying to him, Qum ya abal batha, wahfar zamzama hafirata shaykh al-a'zam. O father of Mecca, because he was the leader of Mecca, rise up and dig and excavate Zamzam, the well of your great elder, meaning Ismail. And in the dream, he's given instructions regarding the location of the well. So he go, he wakes up from his dream. Abdul Muttalib summons his eldest son, who was Harith, and they get some shovels, and they go, and they start to dig. Now you can imagine the reaction of Quraysh. It's been 3,000 years since the, the wells of Zamzam flowed. When they see Abdul Muttalib and his son Harith digging and digging, they start to mock him. They say, what are you doing? Zamzam has been lost for over 3,000 years. You and your son with your shovels, you think you're going to find Zamzam? But they continued to dig and dig and dig until Abdul Muttalib discovers water. And he digs so deep that he finds some of the buried treasures of Jorahum. He uncovers seven swords that were buried, seven shields, and some golden scriptures. What does he do? He takes one-fifth of the treasure and he gives it away in charity. He uses the metal that he discovers in the treasure and he fashions the door of the Kaaba and he uses some of the gold as the guild for the doors. Now, there's a beautiful hadith from Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq salawatullahi alayhi Allahumma salli ala Muhammad And the hadith is found in Shaykh al-Saduq's book called Al-Khisal. Shaykh al-Saduq, one of our prominent ulama who lived almost a thousand years ago, he had many books of ahadith and he was a master at categorizing ahadith because prior to him, the ahadith were scattered. He actually put them in subject order. So he has a book called Al-Khisal. In this book, he has a hadith from Imam al-Sadiq about Abd al-Muttalib. The Imam salam he says, Inna Abd al-Muttalib sanna fil jahiliyyati khamsa sunan ajrahallahu fil islam. Imam al-Sadiq salam he says, Abd al-Muttalib, established five practices, five traditions during the time of Jahiliyyah that Allah made part of Islam. Allah Azza wa Jal endorsed these five traditions established by Abdul Muttalib and he made it part of his Sharia. The Imam salam he says, number one, what did Abdul Muttalib do? The first thing that Abdul Muttalib did was that he made it forbidden 
for sons to marry their stepmothers after the death of their fathers. So if a man marries a woman and he dies, his sons who are from another mother are not allowed to marry their stepmother. So he prohibited sons from marrying their stepmothers. Now in Jahiliyyah, people used to do whatever they wanted. So he set this as a prohibition. Allah Azza wa Jal endorses this. Allah in Surah An-Nisa, ayah number 22, what does Allah say? وَلَا تَنْكِحُوا مَا نَكَحَ آبَاؤُكُمْ مِنَ النِّسَاء That do not marry women that your fathers have married. So other than your mother, of course, if your father performs a marriage with another woman, that woman becomes haram for you for the rest of your life. This prohibition was established by Abdul Muttalib and it was endorsed by Islam. This is number one. Number two, So the hadith is from Imam al-Sadiq. Abdul Muttalib discovers a treasure and he gives one-fifth of it in charity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala endorses this in the Holy Quran. In Surah Al-Anfal, ayah number 44, Allah says, وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّمَا غَنِمْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ So the institution of khums was established by Abdul Muttalib and endorsed by Islam. Number three, وَلَمَّا حَفَرَ بِئْرَ زَمْزَمَ سَمَّاهَا سِقَايَةَ الْحَاجِ When Abdul Muttalib dug and he rediscovered the water of Zamzam, he called it the water for the pilgrims. Meaning, he didn't make it his personal property. He designated Zamzam to be given to the Hijaj. And Allah mentions this in the Quran. In Surah At-Tawbah, ayah number 19, So you find that Allah Azza wa Jal endorses this concept of designating the water of Zamzam for the pilgrims. This is number three. Number four, the Imam السلام, says, وَسَنَّا عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبِ فِي الْقَتْلِ مِئَةً مِنَ الْإِبْلِ فَأَجْرَ اللَّهُ ذَلِكَ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ Abdul Muttalib set blood money in the cases where murder is committed. So if someone were to kill another person intentionally or even involuntarily, there is something called diya, blood money. There is a fine that you have to pay. Blood money that you give to the family of the victims. And he set it at 100 camels. So the value of 100 camels has to be given as blood money if murder is committed. And this becomes a part of our fiqh. Later on, it becomes part of the sharia. So today, if you commit murder, or you even involuntarily kill someone, you owe the value of 100 camels 
to the family of the victim. And 100 camels is, is a substantial amount of money. It's a very large sum of money. So he establishes this. And then number five, Imam al-Sadiq he says, وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لِلطَّوَافِ عَدَدٌ عِنْدَ قُرَيْشٍ You know, during time of Jahiliyyah, people used to do tawaf. But there was no set number of, circuit, of circuits they would do around the Kaaba. They would just choose arbitrary numbers. فَسَنَّ فِيهِمْ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبْ سَبْعَةَ أَشْوَاطٍ فَأَجْرَ اللَّهُ ذَلِكَ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ It was Abdul Muttalib who specified that it should be seven times around the Kaaba, And this becomes a part of Islam. You see brothers and sisters, Abdul Muttalib is so revered in the Islamic tradition that many of our ahkam, many of the Islamic traditions were actually established by him and endorsed by Allah Azza wa Jal. There's a hadith from the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alaihi Wasallam. Sallu ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. Where Rasulullah is speaking to Amir al-Mu'mineen. And he's sharing with Amir al-Mu'mineen the fawail of Abdul Muttalib. The, the Holy Prophet says to Amir al-Mu'mineen, Ya Ali, inna Abd al-Muttalib kana la yastaqimu bil-azlam. Oh Ali, Abd al-Muttalib never used to gamble. In a society that was full of gamblers, you know, the Arabs during the time of Jahiliyyah, they had two activities that they used to love. Either they were fighting war, or they were gambling and drinking. This was their pastime. Abdul Muttalib, even in a society like this, he never participated in any type of gambling. He never worshipped any idols. He would not eat any meat that was offered as a sacrifice to the idols. And Rasulullah tells Amir al-Mu'mineen that he used to always proudly say, Ana ala Abi Ibrahim, that I am following the religion of my father Ibrahim. Now we have a hadith that even speak to us about the status of Abdul Muttalib on the Day of Judgment. There's a hadith from Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq salawatullahi alayhi Allahumma salli ala Where the Imam alayhi salam he says Yuhsharu Abdul Muttalib Yawm al-Qiyamati Ummatan wahda That Abdul Muttalib will be raised on the day of judgment. Sallu ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. Abdul Muttalib will be raised on the day of judgment as a nation by himself. Alayhi, Imam al-Sadiq says, Alayhi sima'ul anbiya' wa haybatul muluk. That on the day of judgment, 
Abdul Muttalib will stand before Allah as a nation by himself. He will have the mark of prophets and the heir of kings. This is his status on the day of Qiyamah. So this is with respect to his first achievement, his fir the first most important incident before the birth of the Prophet. The rediscovery of the wells of Zemzem. Number two, historians mention an oath that he took in his life. When Abdul Muttalib excavated Zemzem and he discovered the treasures in this well, as you can imagine, many of the Quraysh, they wanted to claim Zamzam and the treasures as their own property. So there was tension between them, there were threats exchanged, they were fighting over who's going to take possession of Zamzam. Abdul Muttalib, he goes to the Kaaba and he asks Allah Azza wa Jal to give him ten sons. And he says, Oh Allah, if you give me ten sons, I will give one of them as a sacrifice, as my gratitude to you. So he does the same thing that his forefather Ibrahim does. He had heard that Ibrahim attempted to sacrifice Ismail, so he makes the same oath. He's given nine sons. The tenth son is who? Abdullah, the father of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Imam al-Baqir alayhi salam, he has a hadith where he speaks about the difficulty Abdul Muttalib faced when Abdullah was born. He says, فَلَمَّا وُلِدَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ لَمْ يَكُنْ يَقْدِرْ أَنْ يَذْبَحَهُ وَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ فِي صُلْبِهِ So, when he has his tenth son, he draws lots, he, draw, he makes a lottery. Every time he would draw the name, it would be the name of Abdullah. And Abdullah was his most beloved son. He was the youngest, the most beloved. So every time he would draw the name of Abdullah. And Abdul Muttalib, being one of the chosen servants of Allah, he knows that Rasulullah is from him. So he's faced with a dilemma. He's made an oath. So he decides that I have to fulfill the oath, there's no way around it. So he takes Abdullah to the Kaaba and he's preparing to slaughter Abdullah. Just like with the scene of Ibrahim and Ismail. Quraysh gather, everyone gathers to try to stop him. His daughter, Atika, who is the aunt of Rasulullah, the older sister of Abdullah, she tells her father that, Oh my father, you have many free-range camels. Why don't you sacrifice the camels instead? Draw a lot between Abdullah and the camels that you have. So he, he gathers ten camels. And he says, I'll draw lots between Abdullah and ten camels. Abdullah's name again is drawn. He adds ten. So now twenty camels versus sacrificing Abdullah. Again he draws, Abdullah's name comes up. He adds ten and ten and ten. 
until he reaches 100. Until he reaches 100 camels, he draws, the camels come up. Imam al-Baqir he says when the name, when the camels were drawn, when they, they drew the lots, Abdul Muttalib, he says, Ma ansaftu Rabbi, that I, I was not fair. I took the easy way out. So he draws again, the camels come up. And he draws again a third time when he sees that when he draws between 100 camels and Abdullah and the camels are drawn when he casts the lots, he realizes that Allah is satisfied now. So he slaughters 100 camels, distributes the food to the poor in ransom for Abdullah. This is why when Imam al-Ridha was asked, why did Rasulullah always proudly say, that I am the son of the two who were nearly sacrificed. The first was Ismail, because Rasulullah is the son of Ismail. His great, great, great grandfather is Ismail. And his own father was nearly sacrificed. So this was the second incident. The third and perhaps the most important incident that took place in the life of Abdul Muttalib was the invasion of Mecca. This is known as Amul Fil, the year of the elephant, and this is the year the Prophet was born. So what is this invasion of Mecca that we hear about? As you know, brothers and sisters, in Yemen, there was a Christian community. The governor of Yemen was a man by the name of Abraha. He was also a general. He saw that year after year, people would travel north in large numbers to perform Hajj. So he sees people from all around the Arabian Peninsula descending upon Mecca to perform the pilgrimage. And he became very irritated. When people would prepare to go on the journey, he'd ask them, where are you going? They say, we're going to Mecca. He says, what's in Mecca? There's a house of worship that was built by Ibrahim. So we go there to perform the pilgrimage. So he says, that I will build something greater for you here in Mecca and you can perform here in Yemen and instead of going to Mecca you can perform Hajj here. So he builds a massive cathedral. A massive cathedral. He imports marble, stained glass, he hires the best builders to construct a cathedral to rival the Kaaba, and he invites everyone to come and perform the pilgrimage there. But when he sees that people are still going north to the Kaaba, he decides the only way to make his cathedral the focal point of the Arabian Peninsula and the location of the people's pilgrimage is that he has to destroy the Kaaba. So what does he do? He assembles an army. 
but not any army. An army mounted on elephants. So he descends upon, he marches towards Mecca. Now you can imagine the Arabs have never seen elephants. They've seen horses, donkeys, mules, camels. They see a massive army of elephants marching towards Mecca. When Abraha and his army reach Mecca, they see approximately 200 camels and they seize them. The 200 camels belong to Abdul Muttalib. So they arrive in Mecca, they camp out, they capture 200 camels belonging to Abdul Muttalib. And everyone is in a state of panic. Many people, of, many members of the Quraysh, they flee. Abdul Muttalib decides to go and meet Abraha. When he arrives, Abraha was very impressed with the way that Abdul Muttalib carried himself. He mentions that he was a man of great stature. He was tall, very handsome, and he carried himself with great dignity. Abraha was so amazed with Abdul Muttalib that he says, he looks at Abdul Muttalib and he says, هَلْ كَانَ فِي آبَائِكَ هَذَا النُّورُ وَالْجَمَالِ الَّذِي أَرَاهُ لَكَ Did your forefathers also have this dignity and this light and this beauty in their faces as you have? Abdul Muttalib, he says, yes. And then, Abraha says to him that I'm very impressed with you. You carry yourself with more dignity than a king. You're a man of adab, a man of generosity. Even though I am here to destroy this house of worship, because of the dignity that I see in you, I will grant you any request that you want. Abdul Muttalib, what does he say? He says, give me my camels back. Your men took my camels, I want them back. Abraha, he looks at him in dismay. He says, لَقَدْ سَقَطْتَ مِنْ عَيْنِي That you've, I've lost respect for you. I am here to destroy the Kaaba. I am here, he says, to تَسْأَلُونِ فِي سَرْحِكِ You're here asking me about your camels. وَأَنَا قَدْ جِئْتُ لِهَدْمِ شَرَفِكِ وَشَرَفِ قَوْمِكِ you're asking about your camels. I am here to destroy the Kaaba, to take away your honor and the honor of your people. Abdul Muttalib, he replies very calmly. He says, Lestu birabbil bayt alladhi qasadta lihadmi. Abdul Muttalib tells him that I'm not the caretaker of the house that you have come to destroy. But I am the caretaker of the camels that your men took from me. So I have come to ask about the things that I am responsible for. This house that you have come to destroy has a caretaker who is able to protect it better than all of the creation combined.
Abraham says, okay, take your camels and get lost. Abdul Muttalib takes his camels. The next day, Abraham gets on his elephants and they're moving towards the Kaaba. Abdul Muttalib calls upon Abdullah, the father of the Prophet. Look at the, the knowledge of the unseen that they have. Abdul Muttalib tells his son, Abdullah, I want you to go now. They're marching towards the Kaaba to destroy it. I want you to go now and climb Jabal Abi Qubais. I want you to climb the mountain and look in the direction of the sea and tell me what you see coming. Abdullah, who was a teenager, young boy at the time, he goes up the mountain and he looks and he sees blackness coming towards Mecca. He sees that it's a wave of birds coming. He comes back and he tells his father that there are, there's an ocean of birds flying in the sky and they're heading towards Mecca. Abdul Muttalib hears this and he tells Quraysh that we have to leave Mecca now because the adab is coming. Imam al-Baqir he says, أَرْسَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا جَاءَتْهُمْ مِنْ قِبَلِ الْبَحْرِ Allah sent a flock of birds coming from the direction of the sea. مَعَ كُلِّ طَيْرٍ ثَلَاثَةْ أَحْجَارٍ With every bird, every bird was carrying three stones, one in its beak, and two held in its claws. They come, Abdul Muttalib, the other members of Quraysh, they evacuate the city, and Allah Azza wa Jal obliterates Abraha and his army. And the incident is immortalized in the Holy Quran. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil feel. Did you not see what Allah did to those elephant riders? And this is a lesson for us brothers and sisters. Abraham represented the superpower of the time coming to destroy the Kaaba, coming to destroy Islam itself, the symbol of Islam. And they're riding on some of the largest animals that roam the earth. Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't send elephants to destroy the army of Abraham. He doesn't send, you know, dinosaurs. He sends what? A small creature. Allah Azza wa Jal wants to teach us that if I want to destroy people who have become arrogant, they may have the biggest weapons. I don't need big weapons to destroy my enemies. Allah sends birds carrying small pebbles and they drop them from the sky and they completely obliterate the army. So much so that even some of the Sahaba that joined Rasulullah when he began his mission, they say that even as children, 
We remember the droppings of the elephants when they came to the city of Mecca to destroy it. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to bless us and guide us and illuminate our hearts with the teachings of Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. Allahumma khfir lilmu'mineena walmu'minat, almuslimina walmuslimat, alahya'i minhum walamwat. Tabi'illahumma baynana wa baynahum bil khayrat, innaka mujibu al-da'awat, innaka qad al-hajat, innaka ala kulli shay'in qadir. Thank you so much brothers and sisters for giving me your Friday night. Wa sallallahu ala muhammadin wa alihi al-tahirin.